Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Tom Adams here, here for the flagship show, pretty much straight after Bayern has beaten Wolfsburg 2-0 to get their second win of the Bundesliga season and their third win on the bounce if you want to include the DFL Super Cup as a competitive fixture. Obviously, we beat RB Leipzig, and I sure as hell count that as a competitive fixture. And I am joined today by... Teddy Sun, all the way on the other side of the globe. He is up very, very late or very early in the morning, if you will, to be on here with me. So I'm very much appreciative of that, Teddy. And Teddy, a lot to smile about as a Bayern fan. So how are you doing in the wee hours yeah, of the absolutely. morning where you are? Yeah, I mean, apart from the very early hour that you mentioned, um, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, we're coming off a win. It wasn't the best win, but it's still it was still a good, solid win, a clean sheet. Um, we're performing well i don't think i've ever been um too disappointed by our performances in the last three games so i guess that's um something to that's definitely something to smile about and uh yeah i'm looking forward to this discussion today absolutely and it's very much a case teddy of as i mentioned if you want to count the dfl super cup as a competitive fixture i think most bayern fans would um, so we've had RB Leipzig, Eintracht Frankfurt, and then, of course, most recently, Wolfsburg, all wins. And as you mentioned, a vital clean sheet. This was the first one of the season. But, Teddy, this has very much been a case to the surprise of some, not to the surprise of others, but from Julian Nagelsmann's perspective, even with the reinforcements that we've made in the summer transfer window, this has very much been a case of these first three matches of if it ain't broke, don't try and fix it. And what I mean with that is pretty much the same starting lineup all three times. Back to front, Neuer, Pavard, Upamecano, Hernandez, Davies, Kimmich, Sabitzer, who I think has done very well with the opportunities that have been given to him, especially based off of uh, his underwhelming performances most of last season. And then in the front, Thomas Muller, Serge Gnabry, Jamal Musiala, and of course, Sadio Mane. And we saw some different looks, some different substitutions. Obviously, Leroy Zane coming on today um, at halftime, I believe it was for Serge Gnabry, but Teddy, I don't know if you were expecting a little bit more rotations, at least to the starting lineup between these three matches, but we can't have any complaints with the way we've produced, especially in attack. So what is that now? 13 goals from those three matches uh, and then only four conceded. But, you know, a cup final is a cup final. Things get a little bit crazier. Um, so it's a little bit more of looking the other direction in that sense. But so really only conceding one Bundesliga goal. And as we all know, is a little bit of a fluke from Neuer uh, in Frankfurt. That really should have been a clean sheet. But nonetheless, Teddy, are you surprised to have seen zero changes to the starting lineups? Uh, I know obviously um, we have Coman available for week one in Frankfurt and then today against Wolfsburg. But uh, is this something that you expected from Nagelsmann or is it just more something where you were like, okay, with the way we produce in the first two games, you weren't too surprised to see that same team sheet today before kickoff? Um, to be completely honest, I don't think I really expected anything um, because we know how Nagelsmann liked to rotate so much, in, especially in the second half of last season. But on the flip side, he did say that he would try and keep things simple until the, the so-called English weeks, the midweek games, started rolling in. And I think that's a pretty decent measure because, like you said, if they broke, don't fix it. And it's definitely not broken. Uh, the system is rolling around. It's rolling along just fine. And so I'm not 
too surprised that he hasn't changed anything from the starting lineup. It's it's guaranteeing goals. It's a very solid defensive lineup, and especially if you look at today's game. He didn't make a single defensive substitution, if I remember correctly, and we kept a clean sheet. So, which just goes to show that how solid this backbone of the team is. And while I do think rotation will be necessary going forward because of the crazy schedule, what with the world cup and all the English weeks and everything like that, it's definitely good to have a strong champagne 11. And I think what we've seen over the past three games will be a pretty good um, example of what we can expect to see if we somehow reach like a, a cup, the Pokal final or the Champions League final. And that's a big if, I know, but you know, mm-hmm. Champagne 11s, big matches, you know, they go together. I mean, if you look at the last Champions League final that we were in, we played our best possible lineup with only one change from the previous games. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see something similar from Navos Mansbyron. Yeah. And as you mentioned, those rotations will be necessary for the English weeks which they are sort of right around the corner, Teddy. So next Sunday, a week from today, we have uh, Bauckham away, and we know that was a bit of a banana skin game for us last season. I believe, did we, was it home? Was it the away it match away. in the Hinrunda yeah. or the Rukrunda? I believe it, it was. It was away in the Rukrunda, and we lost 4-2. Yeah, I think we all remember that, painfully so. Definitely, as I mentioned, it was one of the banana skin, banana skin games of last season where we just went through this rough patch in the Rukrunda. You know, we never really got started on the right foot after we had all those COVID cases and injuries uh, to start the new year after a brief winter pause. You know, everything was a little bit condensed after playing catch up from COVID and all of the interruptions that it caused in the Bundesliga and all of the European leagues uh, across the globe. But after that, Teddy... A week from then, or less than a week, I should say, we have uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach in the Saturday late kickoff. And then straight after that, uh, a few days later, it is Victoria Kuhn in the DFB Pokal. And then just a few days after that, we travel away to Union Berlin. So that will be kind of that first sequence where we do have an English week. And then seven days after um, that, we have VFB Stuttgart at home. So that is probably the period of the schedule where we will start to see some rotations. And now, Teddy, so I don't believe it's been published yet, but I recently read a piece, uh, wrote a piece, excuse me, about Ili Honus. He was expressing his excitement for what he's seen from Nagelsmann tactically uh, and the group thus far, full of enthusiasm, full of, full of passion, a very, very high work rate, a very, very high performance level. And he kind of posed the, uh, the warning to Nagelsmann. He said, hey, look, you know, it's your job, your tough task to keep these levels this high this season, but... You know, you've brought in Nusser Mazrawi, Ryan Gravenberg, Sadio Mane, uh, Matty Tell, Matthias Delict, obviously, with the most expensive of the bunch. And Teddy, he didn't even make an appearance today, and he's pretty much only played a substitute's role thus far. So Honus is basically saying, hey, look, Nagelsmann, it's your job to keep all of the uh, the enthusiasm, the passion levels, the, the work rate very high, but you also have a plethora of players and added depth virtually with the players I've just rattled off added depth in every department of the pitch uh, if you, unless you just don't want to count uh, goalkeepers since we already have Neuer uh, and Sven Ulreich who oddly enough got a yellow card from the bench today. But so out of these players, you know, it's going to be tough for Nagelsmann to keep everybody happy. Everybody wants to be playing. Nobody wants to be sitting on the bench longer than they have to be. And, you know, we, I can kind of point out Leroy Zane is kind of one of these guys today. He finally got his longest shift coming on at halftime for Serge Gnabry, but, 
it's going to be tough to keep him happy. You know, he's a player that has very fragile attitude issues and body language issues that a lot of people seem to make probably a little bit more of than needs to be, but it seems to work its way onto the pitch and affect his performances. But he's one guy who's been linked with a potential move away in addition to uh, Tangi Nianzu, who hasn't found any minutes this season yet, Teddy. So I know that even Benjamin Pavard have been linked with a move away, but I think with the way he's been playing and the reports that have most recently come out, it's not looking likely that he's going to be going anywhere. And why should you want him to? Because he's been off to a great start, Teddy, right? But with these yeah, other exactly. two guys, Leroy Zane and Tangi Nianzu, you know, like Nagelsmann, it's going to be very difficult for him to keep these guys happy. I mean, and with reports that have been kind of floating around, if if you want to call it that, do you think that there's a possibility that either either of these guys would leave? I mean, I know it sounds a little far-fetched probably for Zane, but perhaps even for Nianzu, do you see that being a more viable route for him, perhaps on loan somewhere or something like that? For Nianzu, I definitely think that a loan is a viable option, and it's looking pretty likely. I have read reports that I can't remember where, I can't remember who wanted it, but it was definitely something about a loan deal. It's probably somewhere in France. I, I, I could be wrong, but uh, but. The thing is, if Nagelsmann sticks to his current formation, which is a back four, Nianzu will be surplus. We already have four center backs in Delict, Pavar, Upamecano, and Lucas Hernandez. And even if we somehow do switch Pavar to a right back, as he is playing there now, playing very well for that matter, um, even if we do do that, we still have three very very high quality center back. So I can't really see how Nianzu gets any real chance of an extended stint or, or even a starting place for that matter. I feel like the most he can hope for is an appearance off the bench. And if I remember correctly, I don't think he played a single second in the past three games. He might've played in the super cup, but I can't remember exactly. He didn't really, um, I don't think he saw that much playing time, if at all. I feel like that might be a good indicator of where his position is. Of course, it's only three games in the season, and the season is going to be very long and congested, so I could be completely wrong here. But as of now, I really can't see how he can get past the likes of Delith, Hernandez, um, Pavar, and Upa. So so for him, I definitely feel like a loan deal might be an option for him to get a nice couple of minutes in with maybe a a team that is in a less pressured situation like we did with Chris Richards, like we're doing with Alex Newbill. As for Leroy Zane, it gets a little trickier here because we know what he can do. We've seen what he can do both last year and maybe in the last two games. But on the flip side, we also know that he's, when he's on a slump, he's, well, he can really hit rock bottom. So, I really don't know whether to trust him as a starter, and I don't think Nagelsmann does right now either, which which you can't really blame him for since the current front four is doing wonders, and once you get Kingsley Coman back in the mix, then it just becomes an even bigger logjam. Um, do I think we should sell Sané? Probably not, unless we get a decent replacement for him, which... Let's be real, we're probably not going to get one with only maybe just under t- just over two weeks left in the transfer market. Um, I don't know if the reports about the likes of Arsenal or Man United 
trying to get him for what, six, 70 million, something like that. I, I don't know if there's any truth to those rumors. And, and even with Man United, Teddy, it doesn't look like there's anything that's going to be able to help them, to be quite exactly. honest. Exactly. I mean, I don't think Zane is the main problem over there, but, <laughs> um, but, but I don't. I mean, I'm, I know I'm one of Sané's biggest critics, but I also don't think we should sell him right at the first at the first chance because, again, it's going to be a long season. I know this is a theme that's going to come up multiple times, but it's going to be a long, long season. We're going to need that depth. And Zane, if anything, by the loosest of definition, is depth. So we can just hang on to him because he does show flashes of brilliance like he did in the Super Cup, like he did in Frankfurt with uh, his assist to Musiala. So you can probably just count on that and maybe try and go further with him. I honestly don't know. I feel like this is his make or break season. And if he doesn't perform at all this season as well, then he really could be a candidate for sale. But you no, know, it's he's a tough one. Let's be real. I think that's all I can say about that. He really is. And as a Bayern fan, I kind of share that belief with you. It's easy to criticize him. And when his efforts and his performance levels drop, it does kind of seem to I kind of think of the phrase when it rains, it pours. As you mentioned, the slumps do get very low when they do come. But at the same time, we can see the highs and how high they are when he's performing at his highest level, and he's able to do that consistently. But, you know, we were talking about Honus and Nagelsmann and, you know, Honus emphasizing the fact that it's Nagelsmann's job to keep the balance and the, you know, harmony in the squad. And he's probably one of the toughest in the bunch to keep motivated in that sense. And if you're not going to be starting him and you're going to be using him predominantly as a sub, and as you mentioned, with Kingsley, Kingsley Coman returns from his suspension, that just adds even more depth. And I think you'd have to argue that right now Nagelsmann would much prefer putting in Coman before Leroy Zane, especially with the start, um, or excuse me, that the, the close that he had to uh, the Rookwind last season. I think he was one of the most consistent performers in what was a relatively underperforming Bayern side for large parts of the end of last season, uh, you know, in the Champions League and the, the Bundesliga. We kind of really stumbled over the line uh, aside from a few big victories. But that's Nagelsmann's, like, it's a luxury that I would love to have as a Bayern fan, and I'd rather have Zane in the ranks and in there for added depth and be a little bit unhappy and playing with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder if he's predominantly coming on as a sub. But for me, like, the business would have, a deal would have to be absolutely right with whoever would be coming in as the buying club and whoever would be putting pen to paper on Leroy Zane. And I think we'd even still have enough, enough depth in attack. I don't think we've seen really enough of Mattis tell yet in his uh, substitute appearance to see if he's going to really come to fruition or if he's going to be a force to be reckoned with. But obviously Mane can't be playing every minute of, of every game. Even when he got subbed off today in around the 80th minute for tell, he looked like he wasn't even like too pleased to, to come off. But I think he recognized the appreciation from the crowd in the Allianz arena yeah. and he got that standing ovation. Uh, another brace of disallowed goals, if you will. I think it was the uh, DFL Super Cup where he had two or three that were ruled out uh, in addition to scoring one in that game. But, you know, I think he had to react to the uh, reception that he got, which was outstanding. Likewise for Musiala when he'd made way for uh, Ryan Gravenberg. But so, Teddy, I mean, I guess that's in a way 
to kind of condense the arguments, I'm glad that that's Nagelsmann's issue to worry about, but I agree with you. Um, I don't want Zane sold. I want, I would rather see him turn a corner uh, and have him as that at the very least added piece of depth, as you were just speaking about. Um, and as far as real realisticness too, I really don't think it's realistic that a club would come in with the reduced amount of time we have left in the transfer window with a big enough money offer uh, to pry him away from Bayern. So I think most Bayern fans would be on the same page there, but I'm sure you'd have um, a percentage of his highest critics that would kind of say, Hey, if the money is right, get rid of him because we don't need him. Um, but that's the, the freedom that every Bayern fan and every football fan has to have their own opinion. And Teddy, I kind of want to shift gears just a little bit, just looking at the Bundesliga elsewhere. And I know I just mentioned to you off air, we were just confirming that it's only Bayern and Dortmund that are two for two from their first Bundesliga matches and Bayern on the trot, obviously three for three, having the DFL super cup in there. But a lot of last season, as I mentioned to you uh, off air too, was I feel like just a lot of our direct rivals slipping up even more than we were in Borussia Dortmund, München Gladbach, RB Leipzig, uh, Bayer Leverkusen, who are without a win as well. Um, so Teddy, just a, a brief look around, like Schalke weren't able to seal the deal against FC Kloon, uh, not aided by the fact that Shabashlai was sent off with a red card. Uh, Leverkusen losing to Augsburg. So I should say they've lost their opening two matches and a lot of people had them pegged as in and around the top four for the season. Um, Dortmund, as I mentioned, did win, beat SC Freiburg uh, three to one. And then elsewhere around yeah. the ground too, Munchen Gladbach could not uh, take full points against Schalke Nofia. Uh, granted, that was uh, Schalke's first home match, but this kind of encapsulates the point that I was making. Like a lot of, a lot of Bayern success you know, you get the outside argument, oh, it's a Farmers League or Bundesliga tax when players uh, score lots of goals in the Bundesliga. And, you know, from the external looking in, it's always just saying, oh, Bundesliga tax. That's why they score so many goals because it's a Farmers League. But so, Teddy, like any thoughts on on that? I mean, I know that you might uh, share the same belief that we're largely aided by some of our direct rivals kind of uh, screwing the pooch, if you will. But it, by the looks of things, it seems like that's going to be the case again this season with how good and how sharp we've looked uh, and how uh, kind of all over the place some of our direct rivals have looked thus far. Um, I'm going to say this. I definitely think that last season we were helped a lot by the likes of Dortmund or Leipzig slipping up, um, especially just going into the final few weeks of the season. We had a nine-point lead, which isn't really all that common in other leagues. This season, like you mentioned, um, Leipzig and Leverkusen are at the moment nowhere near the top four. I know it's only two games in, and they'll probably find their way up one way or another sooner or later. But as of now, it doesn't seem like their starts are any better than they should be. Dortmund, I know they won two games on the trot, but um, I've heard I've heard from I didn't watch any of the games, so I can't make a judgment myself. But I've heard that they haven't really looked that impressive. Um, Bayern, well, we've won our two games. Um, we've looked very convincing, but I'm not gonna count my chickens just yet because again it's only two games in and a lot can change over the next 32 games but i mean i don't know it as of now it does look like we are the just outright favorites to win the bundesliga just by the way we're playing 
And I really hope that is true because no matter what people say about a farmer's league and winning the Bundesliga, it means nothing at this point. It does mean something. I mean, 11 straight league titles, that's, I don't know, that's a title that's only few, precious few can dream for. In fact, I mean, Juventus got really close, but stopped the nine consecutive. I mean, we're the first, we're the first ever team in the top European five leagues to register 10 consecutive wins. And I mean, I'm not as hung up over the Bundesliga as I was last season because I think a lot of people remember me being really hung up over that 10th <laughs> consecutive title. Um, this season, I'm like, yeah, I mean, you know, it's I'm I'm not risking my life for this title, but I mean, I, I'd still like to win the 11th consecutive title. I mean, who wouldn't, right? But like you said, and going back to the point you were making about our direct rivals slipping up, I do think it's too early to tell whether or not our direct rivals will will or will not be as competitive as they were last season. But we'll see. It's going to be it's going to be interesting. Things are going to be very, very interesting. You know, with Dortmund, the many signings they made, Leverkusen have always been, you know, that thorn in our side, Leipzig. Um, you know, okay, they're probably not doing as well as they'd like but you know the way they fixed things up and really got going in last year's Rukunda you can't really ignore that either so it's going to be interesting that it will be and I know you may or may not believe in jinxes a lot more than I do or uh, a little bit the same I know I probably am one of the contributors at BFW that doesn't really believe in them too much. I sometimes fire off things on Twitter and then <laughs> the complete opposite happens. And I joke that I've handed whoever or whatever team a reverse jinx. And, you know, I, I say you're welcome for whatever winds up happening. But I know that I've said in our Slack channel very recently, um, and I, Teddy, I believe you actually directly responded to this. Um, that based off of the way the things that I've seen thus far in these opening three competitive fixtures, the fluidity, the creativity and attack. I know that Schnitzel and I uh, last week we were talking about quotes from Domenico Tedesco and Julian Nagelsmann. Um, and I think that it's clear to see. Well, I mean, even Wolfsburg, I thought were more compact than both Leipzig and Frankfurt were. But, you know, kind of along the lines of they were saying it's a lot more difficult to defend, you know, four or five attacking players coming at you than being able to consolidate your efforts to a guy like Lewandowski, who's in the box, who Bayern is always going to be looking for as that target man. And I think Domenico Tedesco uh, likened it to being uh, barraged by arrows from every direction and, and trying not to get hit. And obviously they got hit five times <laughs> in that occasion. Um, so it's, a lot more fluid, a lot more creative. It just it's it's a new look Bayern. I think it's easy to say that. While we still have a lot of the possession teams will sit in deep blocks and be very compact, and not a lot of space between the the attacking midfield and defensive lines. I still think that fluidity is there and, and it still looks different. Uh and with with that said, I've made a bold statement and kind of said, I think with what I've seen thus far and our direct rivals sort of susceptibility to drop points in very, I should say, in situations where they really shouldn't be. With that said, I did make a bold prediction. I said I think Bayern will win the Bundesliga with matches to spare once again and will go far and as far as the Champions League final and uh, going uh, definitely further than we have in the past two seasons in the DFB Pokal. So, Teddy, is that something that you can sign on to right now, or do you still 
as you said, you still want to uh, not really count your chickens yet and, and stay a little bit more reserved. I think a lot of people on BFW will know my answer to that. I think it's um, it's still too early. Don't get me wrong. I like what I'm seeing from the team so far. It's definitely a huge upgrade from what we've seen last season in the in the Rokronda. Um but on the flip side, we also saw what we could do in last season's Hinrunde and then how we fell off in the latter parts of the season. So I'm not going to just jinx anything just yet. Um, I do think that we are, like I said before, I do think we are outright favorites to win the Bundesliga title. How well we'll do in the Pokal and the Champions League, I don't know, because you know you really don't know with those one-off competitions. You'd like a lot of uh, just so much things, so many aspects come into play. So I don't know how we'll do. I would like to think that we're good enough to get further than we have in recent seasons, um, especially in the Pokal. I would love for us to get to at least a final, you know, and or just not get knocked out by the likes of Holstein Kiel or, or Mönchengladbach. But, but yeah, overall, I mean... My stance is this. I like what I'm seeing so far. I really hope that we can build upon that and not lose track. And that's going to be a big challenge for us in the in the new year because, because of that huge chunk of time that we're going to miss because of the World Cup. And who yeah. knows how players are going to come back from that. So I think it's okay to stay optimistic for now, but we still need a little bit of wiggle room for the inevitable drops or rises of form that will come in November and December because of those weeks in Qatar. And if Germany, if the likes of Germany and France, where most of our players play for, if they do go far, which I hope they will, if they do go far in the tournament, that's going to be good for Germany. But then again, who knows what's, what it's going to mean for Bayern. You know? So we'll see. I mean, again, I'm going to say this a lot of times because I do want to clarify this. I do like what I'm seeing so far, but there's still a lot of games to be played. And I think we need to, you know, maybe consolidate this performance for at least a couple more weeks before I can say, okay, now we're on to something, if that makes sense. Totally does. And I think you uh, made a lot of valid points there. And I think that even myself falling a little bit guilty of, overlooking the fact that we are going to have that World Cup break for the first time that we've ever experienced and how much that will play a toll on injuries, you know, uh, fitness levels, fatigue, because, you know, this isn't just a normal international break for UEFA Nations League matches, Teddy. They're going all out for their countries in the World Cup, you would hope. So there are going to be variables that arise. Uh, and now, Teddy, I kind of wanted to move on to a, a bit more of an interesting topic. I know that we briefly just touch based on you know people bringing up the Bundesliga being a farmers league the Bundesliga tax and you know oh Bayern are going for their 11th league title in a row it's a it's a one pony race or one horse race if you will um, and I wanted to kind of comment on the New York Times piece that was written by Rory Smith who's a, a chief football writer for the New York Times that uh, our very own Zippy did a very very um, good write-up on bringing up all the points that uh, Rory Smith had brought up and I just kind of wanted to touch base on the fact that one of the things that really stood out for me is uh, Zippy kind of had a headline about Jeopardy uh, and how Rory Smith was talking about a lot of viewers and fans really want to view matches that bear some sort of significance, whether it be a title, uh, relegation, top four, something like that, where games bear 
a great deal of significance. And I just kind of wanted to pose this question to you, um, obviously us as Bayern fans. So with that, you know, you can kind of say Bayern can only beat what's put in front of them. And I think in the past couple of seasons, we've shown we've won the treble. We, we showed what we can do in Europe. We won the FIFA Club World Cup, the Sextuple, obviously. So where, if at all, or what kind of angle, I think we all know that Bundesliga culture and Bundesliga fans are some of the best in the world. I would obviously argue that the best in the world, regardless of if it's uh, Union Berlin, Bayern Munich, Wawafel, uh, Balkum, I think the culture is in a class of its own personally. And I think that you would probably agree with me, Teddy. But as a Bayern fan, how would you argue to the outside viewers um, you know, when we when we talk of Jeopardy, they want to see matches. Viewership is much, much higher in matches that bear significance. And, you know, like the Premier League is the prime example where you have had some different winners in the past four or five seasons. Obviously, they have a lot more money, a lot more television money. But what would you say to someone making that argument as, oh, the Bundesliga is the, the one horse race and that's why there's not a lot of interest that's gauged towards the Bundesliga as a whole. Um, well, for one thing, as somebody who wants to defend the Bundesliga at all costs, he, I, I would say that fans aren't completely wrong when they say it's a one-horse race. I know the race has gotten tighter in some seasons than they have in others. But overall, over the past decade, we know that Bayern have won the title every single time. So I don't blame people for saying that it's a one-horse race because, honestly, wouldn't you say it's a one-horse race after seeing a team win, like, 10 years in a row? So Yeah, the only thing is, like, can... obviously us, we have the filter of watching every minute of every Bayern game. So not, not everyone else is going to see that grind and the grit and everything you have to go through to win the title, if that makes sense. Exactly. And that's something I really want the fans to understand because winning a league title is is not easy wherever you are, whether you're playing in Italy, France, Germany, Spain, England, or where wherever else. It's it's not easy. And you're going to have slip ups whether you want whether you like it or not. It's like it's not like we're just cakewalking our way to the Bundesliga title every single season. We we have had dropouts. We've had our share of ignominious defeats. We've had our bumps, our hurdles, or everything. And I really want them. And I know it's going to be hard to understand that, but you know, if you support a team, any team in any league, you'll know how hard going 30-something games or 20-something games, depending on which league you watch, you'll know how hard it is to actually maintain that level of consistency. And I think consistency is the real key word behind Bayern's success here. Not just that, oh, we're buying our success from the Bundesliga, oh, the Bundesliga bends over to us every time. It's just about maintaining that level of consistency and winner's mentality that we're able to win every, that we're able to win every Bundesliga for the past 10 years. And, and, you know, if, if you consider all of that and still think the Bundesliga is a farmer's league, then tough luck. I guess that's, you know, that's your loss. I mean, I mean, you're allowed to have your opinion and that's the beauty of football. Everyone is entitled to their opinion. So that's that. But overall, I, I would agree to a certain extent that we're a one horse race, but honestly, I don't care. You know, so what if it's a one horse race, as long as we win the title, right? I mean, at the end of the day, a trophy is a trophy. So 
Yeah, yeah, you know, go ahead, call it a title. We'll enjoy our 10 consecutive titles and hopefully 11th, 12th, whatever, right? And, you know, Zippy had brought up a good point, too, in his write-up, you know, especially, I don't want to talk about Liverpool or the Premier League too much, but, like, it's pretty much been a two-horse race, which I guess makes it a little bit more compelling than a one-horse race, but I think everyone pretty much realizes for the past couple of seasons that COVID season where there were no fans and like man United actually finished second and did well, I think was kind of like a little bit of an outlier. Uh, I think it was very bizarre with the, with the Geister spiel set up. Um, and I think a lot of uh, like oddly outlier teams benefited from that, but in a normal season, right. It's pretty much just been Liverpool and city duking it out for the title, uh, at least like the past two to three seasons. Um, so granted that's not uh has significant as just a, a one horse race in Germany, but let's not forget, you know, how many fans would, would remember that in Nico Kovac's season, like it came down to the last day. Um, I think even the season before um, or the season after, did it not come down to the last day? Um, I could be wrong. It didn't, uh, like it, it was just there the was one, one time it came. Yeah. It, there was one time it came down to, I think the penultimate match day. I think it was the last season under Pep, but, Regardless, yeah. So it's not as if it's always us getting, uh, you know, a couple weeks off to experiment with the squad after clinching the league, but it's not like there's been other teams. If you remember Leipzig's first season in the in the Bundesliga, they were leading at the winter pause, uh, and they only slipped up in the Rook Runda, and Bayern obviously won the head-to-heads against them. We remember the 5-4 uh, and then the 3-0, I believe it was, from that season. So it, it's not as if it's just always a, a one-horse race. And I think a lot of this just would have to do with getting more interest in the league as a whole to, to the point where, where people would, would see that. Because you could easily toss back the argument, oh, well, Man City just crushed Bournemouth 4-0 and Man City uh, won their first game 2-0 and they were very boring games from a neutral perspective. So it is a very, very difficult thing to break down. There are so many different aspects, Teddy, but uh, it is frustrating from the Bundesliga perspective. And I really don't think the gap between Bayern and the rest of the teams in the Bundesliga that could be direct threats is as big as people make it out to be. Um, And I think if the gap is, if not bigger, just the same between Liverpool, City, and then everybody else in the Premier League that's in with a shot of like the top four. I don't know if you would agree with that. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a valid point to make just because, well, we've seen what City and Liverpool can do. We've seen the title race going down to the final wire last season. And, you know, nobody was really bothering them. Chelsea was leading the league for, I don't know, a couple of match days, but then they fell apart. Um, And Tottenham, who were finished in the top four, but... You know, it didn't really, who weren't even in the top four for quite some time last season until the very end. So it's like saying, so saying the Bundesliga is like a one horse race and the gap between us and our direct rivals is too big is basically saying that, well, you know, you could find the same sort of logic anywhere else. Like, you know, like in the Premier League, like I just mentioned, or even over in Spain in La Liga when Barcelona were really just kind of, digging down in the middle of the table and suddenly somehow finish second in the table without, you know, that much change other than a managerial change. So you could say the same for the competitiveness of the other leagues. So, I mean, I don't really understand why the Bundesliga is the one league that just gets all the hate and 
Yeah, oh, I, I guess Serie A also got some sort of flack for Juventus winning nine titles in a row, but I mean, come on, we're we're just that good. What can you say? <laughs> no arguments from me there. And Teddy, just to kind of close this uh this sort of discussion out, I mean, you would think on on the surface, so we had Eintracht Frankfurt on that incredible run and route to winning the Europa the Europa League uh, last season, uh, right? You had RB Leipzig just a few season go, seasons ago going very far in the Champions League and ultimately losing out to PSG. And we know what happened to PSG in the end that year. Now, don't we? <laughs> um, obviously, Bayern won the Champions League that year. 1-0. Thank you, Kingsley Coman. So, you know, you had Eintracht Frankfurt winning the Europa League. As I mentioned, RB Leipzig going far. Of course, some of our direct rivals in the Champions League and Dortmund mentioned Gladbach haven't really fared too well in the Champions League in recent seasons. But even Teddy, for an advertisement for German football, the DFL uh, and the DFB, this season, right, was the first season in the DFB Pokal final that we didn't have one of Bayern or Dortmund in the final, if I recall correctly, for a very, very long time. Obviously, it was SC Freiburg and RB Leipzig, the latter coming off uh, the winners. Yeah, Teddy, wasn't it like a, a few decades or something like that the last time? Yeah, if I remember correctly, I think the last time we didn't see a Bayern or a Dortmund in the final was, it's definitely not anything I can remember. Uh, it was like 2011 or something like that. If not, you know, if I remember correctly, even, you know, if if not, I could probably even further than that, but but yeah, I mean, like you said, it's not like the Bundesliga is just slacking off. It's like it, it yeah. does remain a competitive league. I was going to say, if those things, if that's not an advertisement for the competitiveness and an advertisement for German football as a whole, you know, what is? And I mean, like we can't forget, obviously, the 1920 season was very awkward because of the world basically closing down because of coronavirus uh, wreaking havoc across the globe and the Bundesliga stopped for around a total of two months. But you still can't take away from the caliber of the teams that we beat in the Champions League. Uh, I mean, I think Lyon looked good that season. Obviously, the 8-2 against Barcelona, nobody saw that coming. Playing Chelsea off the park in those two legs, I mean, yes, it was a weird format that season after the quarterfinals having just the one-off legs, but Teddy, you can take nothing away from the opponents that we dispatched that were put in front of us and then obviously beating PSG in the final and the super team that they have had for the past couple of seasons with, you know, of course, uh, Messi and Neymar and Mbappe. Obviously, they didn't have Messi then, but even still, with all of the money they've spent on superstars and, you know, pretty much being packed by the Qatari government, how is that not another advertisement for, uh, you know, Bayern Munich? It's not just the... German opponents in Germany that they're dispatching. It's obviously whoever's put in front of them in the Champions League, I think, last season was a fluke, and we just fell short. Uh, and then the season, uh, a few seasons before that, we really didn't get lucky drawing Liverpool uh, in the round of 16. That was uh, Niko Kovac's uh, season when he was Bayern manager. So apart from those few variables, I really don't understand how there's not more uh, respect, I think would be a good word, for the Bundesliga and for Bayern Munich. And Teddy, if it's not going to be that, you know, as I mentioned, Frankfurt winning the Europa League, Bayern routinely going far in the Champions League bar last season, RB Leipzig going far in the Champions League, having two new finalists in the, well, not new, I should say, but the first time Bayern and Dortmund were in the day at Papal Call final. What else? I mean, is the only, is it going to take Bayern not winning the Bundesliga for there to be more interest? 
or is there something else that can help? I know that pretty much only like no other league in the world is going to adopt 50 plus one or something similar to it, right? The growing frequency with which state sponsors, billionaires, corrupt billionaires at that are buying clubs in the premier league and other leagues seems to just be growing, which is unfortunate, but if it's not something like that, or, or if it's not something else, all these things that I've just mentioned, Teddy, is that the only thing that will change this external belief is Bayern not winning a Bundesliga? Um, well, the thing is, I don't really take those take those views really seriously. And I don't think anyone really should because we're talking about a very loud minority on football Twitter who comes up with those Farmers League allegations and whatever. And, you know, those, uh, those opinions are loud, I'm not going to lie, and they are slightly influential to a certain extent but in the end they're just people who want a little banter out of pretty much nothing we all deep down inside we all know the bundesliga is not an easy league to win we know that the bundesliga can be competitive and if anyone says otherwise we can just show them the proof like you showed them you know the leipzig run to the quarterfinals i trust frankfurt winning the europa league and even if we do, it's not going to shut up all those idiots on Twitter. Come on, let's let's be real. It's like, you know, it, like just take some very noisy Barcelona fans, for instance. They were trolling us, bantering us all summer, even after even after the eight two, even after Frankfurt, did, you know, kicked them out of the Europa League, yada yada yada. So, I'm just saying that there are certain people that you just cannot silence, and you know, we'd be best off to ignore that but i know oh, that well i guess teddy I, I should say too that is all very very true but i guess i should say i think the new york times article even had like uh, posed the argument through actual numbers that the viewership is significantly lower in the bundesliga as a whole even if they're uh even if there's like implicative matches right where it's relegation uh top four um or uh, title implications well, the thing about that is I don't think it's necessarily a problem or question of whether the league is a one-horse league or not. I think that's just all about marketing, you know, because we all know the Premier League is, you know, head and shoulders ahead of the Bundesliga and all the other leagues in Europe, even La Liga for that matter. It can't really catch up to the levels that the Premier League is in right now. Well, now, Teddy, because... just out of curiosity too, I don't mean to cut you off, but um, people may not know, you're actually a unique person to ask about this being based in um south korea and then you also spent uh, a lot of time in the u.s so just like what do they um what are you watching the bundesliga on where you are now as far well, as the bundesliga network? is on thankfully on cable tv because we have a lot of players in the bundesliga i believe we have at least three or four if i'm not mistaken something like that and if you get players if you get Korean players in the Bundesliga or any other league for that matter, you're going to get guaranteed viewers no matter what. That's kind of how we roll. I mean, right. you know how you know how the likes of Hung Min Son are just lighting it up. Everyone, you know, like everyone is wearing a Spurs shirt around here if you're wearing a football jersey or, or a Sun top or whatever. Right. So I'm just saying that those kind of numbers, they really do, those kind of players, they really do make up the numbers. And thankfully, the Bundesliga has a lot of those players for that matter, even more players than we have in the Premier League for now. So, um, so I would say that interest in the Bundesliga, while it's not, def it's definitely not at the Premier League levels, just because, you know, everyone's into the Premier League, mostly because of Son and, you know, we had the likes of Jisung Park and every and everyone else in um, quite some time ago. 
So I don't think the Bundesliga viewer levels here in Korea are going to reach Premier League levels anytime soon. But I am also happy to announce that we are getting a significant amount of followers and we are still very much invested in the Bundesliga. And even though people, you, you know, you still hear people here saying, oh, it's Bayern's going to win anyway, but they're not, I don't think I've heard really any like malicious comments like, oh, Bayern tend to buy the league. It's a, it's a farmer's league or whatever. They're right. just like, oh, Bayern's going to win the Bundesliga. No big deal. And although it's a great big deal for us, Bayern fans, but but yeah, I mean, I'm just happy that the Bundesliga is getting the attention at least a little bit that it deserves, and hopefully, we're going to see a lot more of that. I I I agree. I hope that that that's good to hear that that's what the trend happens to be there, and I hope that does continue. And I I'm kind of with you in this. I personally believe, as as someone, I know I don't want to spend too much time ever, you know, commenting on the Premier League, but as someone who does watch a lot of both leagues, I would say that. You know the chatter that's in and around, even even at a, from a professional punditry level, Teddy. I would say that even uh, like let's say somebody else won the Bundesliga, RB Leipzig or Dortmund or Leverkusen. I know that uh, the latter two have not had the greatest starts of the season, but let's say realistically, it's it's going to be one of those teams, if anybody, uh, based off of previous seasons' histories and how the tables have finished. Uh, let's say it was one of them. I still generally don't believe that the Bundesliga to a very great impact would garner uh, much more interest. I really, I genuinely don't. There might be a lot of social media buzz uh, about it because it would be a big deal, obviously, but I still genuinely don't believe that it would bring consistent viewership back to the, uh, or to the Bundesliga, I should say. Um, I, I just don't know. I don't know if you feel the same with that. Yeah, I mean, I would I would probably say the same. I mean, if you look at a similar example over in Italy, I don't think Serie A viewership has gone up significantly since um, I think it was Inter who won the title the first time since Juve won it. The, yeah, and then AC Milan. The last uh, nine last seasons, season. exactly. And then Milan won it as well. I don't really think the viewership for Serie A has gone up significantly in those years. If anything, it went, it, it went up and the attention went up because Cristiano Ronaldo transferred there to Juventus and we right, all know right. how that went. So, so maybe, who knows, maybe it's going to take a really big superstar signing for a Bundesliga club for for viewership to kind of go up will that be Sadio Mane who knows I hope so I hope he'll become you know a Ballon d'Or contender who knows with Bayern if you know if not actually winning the thing but so far he seems to be you know doing pretty well I know he didn't score or assist in in today's game but otherwise I think he had another decent performance and likewise if you know we get those kind of big big superstars in the Bundesliga you know maybe that'll account for some lost viewership if anything and hopefully uh the next couple of goals that he scores are onside teddy and not offside (laughs) Uh, as long as he stays outside he's already scored quite a few uh disallowed goals but uh i think that like his one today was just marginal at best it was thomas muller's like a fraction of his right boot uh was offside in that header that he headed back to Mane, but Nonetheless, Teddy, I think we've got a lot covered today. I think we had some really positive discussion, some interesting discussion, excuse me. So I think this is a good place to wrap the episode. Um, So I just wanted to say thanks again, everybody, for listening uh, to your now award-winning podcast. I'm going to use 
every opportunity I can to say that even until I sound like an old broken record and people want me to shut up because I am just that proud of it. And I know Teddy is too. Likewise, the rest of BFW and BPW. So be sure to like, rate, and subscribe on whatever streaming platform you do use to listen to your podcasts. Tell us, tell about us. Oh my God, I am just butchered that, Teddy. I'm too excited. I was going to say, Make sure you tell all your friends, coworkers, colleagues, football fans, Bayern fans, Bundesliga fans, even just a random person on the street about us to just give us a listen, give us a chance. That would be very, very much appreciated. And until next time, which I believe will probably be one of Chuck's weekend warmups or the preview for the match against Balkum. Until then, thanks again and auf Wiedersehen.